So I'm stuck on the Jersey Turnpike. I just finished a meeting which I thought went fantastic, but about halfway home, my light comes on my dash and I'm basically out of gas and I'm about almost 100 miles away from my house. Staring at the traffic going past me, and I look down in my cup holder and I got a couple of nickels. I know that my bank accounts are overdrawn. We hadn't been taking a paycheck. And I'm sitting there wondering how I'm, I'm going to get home. I sat there, dug through my car, through the seats for change. I couldn't get enough to fill the tank up. I ended up going to the ATM machine, overdrafting my account, which was ultimately the most expensive gas tank I've ever put into my truck. This is Rally, a show about business leaders facing failure and bouncing back. I'm your host, Michaela Bennett. Today's show is about two friends who've known each other since high school. Ron Young, Bob Ostrander. They started a business together in 2009, which wasn't exactly a great year to start any business, much less one based on technology that was pretty new. Looking back, Bob calls it one of the worst environments to start a new business in probably the last few decades. Ron and Bob faced banks unwilling to give them loans, customers who didn't understand the technology their company was founded on, and disputes with regulators about the safety of their technology. On today's show, you're going to hear about a few of their challenges they faced during one of the most tumultuous times in our nation's economy. By now, you might be wondering, what do they sell? I'm pretty sure you've heard of it. One of our first calls, we went out really excited, super passionate, thinking that we know a whole lot about this technology. We went out to a very large electrical supply store, uh, supply house down the street. We walked in and we showed them our products and showed them the wattages and the reductions and the whole bit. And we said, look, at this is what we've got. And the guy looked at us and just kind of shook his head and he goes, I'm sorry, guys, but LED lighting is just a fad. That's it, LED lights. You know, those lights that are pretty much everywhere these days. Ron and Bob say they hopped on the LED lighting bandwagon before it was cool. But at least half the challenge of starting their company, Tri-State LED, was convincing people that LED lights weren't just a fad. Eventually, they were successful enough that a bigger, publicly traded company called Revolution Lighting acquired them. So now, if you've ever been around New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut, Chances are you've probably encountered something illuminated by Tri-State's products. We've done lots of hospitals. We've done plenty of healthcare, uh, from Will Cornell to Memorial Sloan Kettering to New York Presbyterian. The uh, city of Stanford, all their public schools, New Haven, Hartford. Um, I'd say West look Haven. up sometimes as you're driving down the road. We've done the street lights that go through the towns and the cities. Street lighting, the whole 95 corridor through... From, from Greenwich all the way up through the end of Stanford, we've hit all those parking garages there. You know, I, I'll be in the car and I'll, and I'll look at a job that we've done and my kids will be in the back. I was like, oh yeah, we, we've done that job. And it's just, it's really cool because we've touched, our fingerprint is on so many places throughout the tri-state area. And just recently, the past two years, we've gone national. So we've done some really cool things nationally. The one thing with LED lighting, the one thing with anything lighting is everybody uses lights. So as Ron just mentioned, we have been to, whether it be stadiums, to the belly of old hospitals. New York Public Library has got a storage facility that's off-site. This place needed some lighting. We had a friend that walked us in the front door. We started to discuss and do an audit as we're walking through. They happen to be working on an original piece of the Declaration of Independence. 
it's anything from that to wait so you didn't consider taking a whole national treasure approach and <laughs> i would have loved that i have just the lighting for this document <laughs> so maybe you don't really care about the market for led lights i can't say i really do either but Ron and Bob are so passionate about lights and how transitioning to more efficient lighting can help their customers. To them, their business is about much more than just selling lights. It's about helping people. And okay, maybe that sounds like a stretch, but to help you understand them a little better, I want to share this. During my initial conversations with Tri-State about being on this show, I gave them some homework to do before our recording. And unlike all my other guests, they gave me homework too. Their chief financial officer, Brooke Wagner, told me that I needed to read Shoe Dog, the memoir of Phil Knight, a.k.a. the co-founder of Nike. In Shoe Dog, Phil details the many struggles he faced while trying to challenge brands like Puma and Adidas for dominance in the athletic shoe industry. And sorry if this spoils the book for you, but it ends with him succeeding. Anyway, Brooke told me that he saw a piece of Tri-State's story in almost every chapter of Phil's book. So, like the try-hard student I've always been, I did my homework and finished the book before we recorded this interview in April. It turned out that learning about all the stressful twists and turns in Nike's journey actually helped me understand Tri-State better. Now, I'm not saying they're the same, but it helped me see why some of the things they talk about in today's episode were so difficult. So for those of you who haven't read Shoe Dog yet, which I recommend, here's an excerpt that I think will help you make sense of what Brooke and probably a lot of entrepreneurs have felt. And why Ron and Bob seem so passionate about light bulbs. It seems wrong to call it business. It seems wrong to throw away all those hectic days and sleepless nights, all those magnificent triumphs and desperate struggles, under that bland, generic banner, business. What we were doing felt like so much more. Each new day brought 50 new problems, 50 tough decisions that needed to be made right now, and we were always acutely aware that one rash move, one wrong decision could be the end. The margin for error was forever getting narrower, while the stakes were forever creeping higher. And none of us wavered in the belief that stakes didn't mean money. For some, I realize, business is the all-out pursuit of profits, period, full stop. But for us, business was no more about making money than being human is about making blood. That day-to-day -day business of the human body isn't our mission as human beings. It's a basic process that enables our higher aims. And life always strives to transcend the basic processes of living. When you make something, when you improve something, when you deliver something, when you add some new thing or service to the lives of strangers, making them happier or healthier or safer or better, and when you do it all crisply and efficiently, smartly, the way everything should be done but so seldom is, you're participating more fully in the whole grand human drama. More than simply alive, you're helping others to live more fully. And if that's business... All right, call me a businessman. Maybe you will grow on me. So just keep that in mind as you listen to a selection of Ron and Bob's stories. They formed Tri-State LED in 2009, but it really got started in 2010. Their office was basically one room in an office building in downtown Greenwich, Connecticut. We started out in a conference room with uh, four of us. Just the conference room. Uh, started out with four guys and a, well, three guys and a dog. Eventually became four. And today, with the dog still? With, with the dog. Dog was one of my, our best employees. Showed up every day. Didn't ask for a raise. Um, never took a vacation day. <laughs> and here we are today with 30, 
32 employees. But there's a lot that happened between the handful of guys plus a dog sitting alone in a conference room. And today, where Tri-State has its own office building with plenty of room for their dog jacks to roam around. At the time, did you realize the risk you were taking with starting a company based upon a technology that was not commonly known? I don't think we fully understood the risk at the time. We thought it was going to be easier. We, we were, right, we, certainly. We focused on the education. That's what this was in the beginning because especially after that first meeting when they basically said it was a fad, we didn't second guess it. We thought that this guy was out of his mind. But we looked at it and said, okay, we're going to have to do a lot more in terms of educating our customers uh, in the public about what an LED is. Back then, they didn't even know what an LED stood for, light-emitting diode. So we, we basically sat there uh, educating uh, as, as many people as we could, commercial, mostly commercial, um, making cold calls, knocking on doors, having nothing to point to, which is another scary thing. If you can't point to a, a successful job that's been done, um, somebody else who you're trying to sell to feels like they're the guinea pig and lots of people don't want to be the guinea pig. And was there ever a time where you sat around doubting yourselves? We knew that there was going to be a tough climb because at that given point in time, you have GE Phillips and Sylvania were the big, the big three in lighting. They weren't really supporting the technology at that point. And, and remember, we were at a very infant age when we got involved. You know, the, the LED industry was at an infant age. And when you have Philips GE in Sylvania out there not supporting the LED technology, and, you know, when you're talking to facility managers or decision makers, you don't get fired by doing business with GE Philips in Sylvania. And then you get this, this little company, Tri-State LED, that's trying to convince you that this is the way to go and how we can increase your net operating income and, and it's the right thing overall. Um, yeah, that, that gets daunting after a while because you, you, everybody thinks those guys are right. And, and now look, they're full blown into the business. And when we first got in, they, they, they weren't embracing it at all. We never, we never had the thought process that we would fail. Every day when we get to work, you know, I think our biggest fear was making sure that we didn't fail. And that kept us out of that, out of that fire. When it came to the big three, we'd go in and pitch a customer. And they would basically say, well, you're not Phillips and you're not uh, uh, you know, a GE or a Sylvania. Ultimately, in, the, in, the, in our sales pitch, we would turn to them and say, well, you know what? When you guys were growing up, you probably had a TV that was a Zenith. You probably had a TV that maybe was a, a Sony Trinitron or an RCA. I can promise you that right now what's hanging on your wall is not one of those three. So that's how we started to bend and educate our customers to understand that this technology is moving so quick that the big three couldn't move quick enough to run with it. It was the smaller, more nimble companies that could develop and create some groundbreaking product. When we look back, it was some of those voices that said it's just a fad, also kind of drove us a little bit. Do you feel like you just heard their sales pitch? <laughs> Despite their confidence in those early days, Ron and Bob knew that they had a lot to learn and understand themselves about LED lighting. One of our first jobs that we did was for a large company uh, who had a data center about 20 miles away from us. Uh, I believe it was our first job ever. We went out, we installed these lights. Uh, they, were, they called us up. They were 
ecstatic. They loved it, looked great. And then we get a call a couple days later that their entire data center just turned pink. These are not pink lights. These are not pink lights. We know the technology. We know what the lights look like. The lights are typically what you would expect. It looks very similar to what they just replaced it with. So we went back up there to go check on the situation to make sure that, in fact, this room was not pink. And lo and behold, we got back up there and it wasn't pink. When we talked to the facility manager, uh, they were asking us, please don't look at us like we're a bunch of fools because I swear it was pink. And we're saying, no, we, we believe you. But when we looked at it, we could tell on the diodes that there was a little bit of a pink hue. We started to recognize not only that we had to be very careful about what we were looking at, what we were selling, but we also had to be careful about the quality. In order for this company to succeed, we had to have the right quality. So when you finish and work so hard to get a piece of business, you don't have to turn around and go backwards to go fix a problem. And that was probably one of the biggest barriers that we had a hurdle because everything's about price, price, price. And sometimes you get what you pay for. And, you know, for us to sit down and, and drill down on what products that we were successful with, manufacturers that supported us, um, was, was, was incredibly tough in the beginning because there were so many, you know, little guys out there that are trying to get into the business. And, you know, and if you look back to today, I'd say 90% of those companies are gone. So we've, we've seen, we've, we've experienced a lot of them coming and going throughout the years. And thank God the guys that we've hooked, uh, hooked our trailer to have been around and they're real supportive because we're trying to learn the industry, make the sales, and at the same time, figure out who's selling us quality products or not. Here's something I bet a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners can identify with. When Tri-State first started, Ron and Bob didn't pay themselves. We knew that we wouldn't be successful unless we surrounded ourselves with the right people. So we took that risk and we brought on employees and we decided not to pay ourselves a salary for a year and a half when we started this business and make sure that everybody else was taken care of. And I think that was a huge aspect to our success. Did your employees know this? How did they feel? How did your families feel about that? Great question. Um, yes, our employees knew that Bob and I were sacrificing our incomes to make sure that they were taken care of. Our wives were not happy about it. Uh, I had a newborn. Is an understatement. Yes. <laughs> I had a newborn. Bob had a newborn as well. It was scary. It was scary doing it that way, but we knew and Bob and I believed we saw the traction that this business started getting. We knew that if we just kept focused that sooner or later we would reap the rewards for all the hard efforts that we've put into it. This next hurdle is one that Phil Knight talks a lot about in Shoe Dog, the seemingly impossible task of convincing banks to give you a loan for your small business. I mean, you go to the bank and think you could get a, a small business loan and you know you just don't fit in their box. Everything's got to fit in their box. And it seems like nothing fit in their box. We would show tremendous growth after the first year, year and a half. We're showing the growth. We would fit into the box. And then they'd show up with a new box and say, well, you're not fitting this box. We'd say, what happened to the old box? But now fast forward to today and they're sending me letters all the time that they want to give us lines of credit up to a million and a half, two million dollars. And now you kind of laugh at it because you're Why like, would you take my money? We don't need it. <laughs> we don't need it. Where were you four years ago? Yes. Five years Where ago. were you when we started? 
Finally, in 2012, Ron and Bob say they felt like they'd turned a corner. In 2012, we had a, a really successful year. We had money in our accounts. Um, our CFO, even though we had money in our accounts, he would still figure out how to manage paying bills and stringing that penny out. But when we finally had uh, money in the bank, we were hiring people, we were growing is where I finally felt like we had wing, wind under our wings and, and we were really moving in the right direction. And since 2012, we haven't looked back. But that's not to say everything's changed. While LEDs have become popular, not everyone has jumped on the bandwagon. I walked into an XYZ store in Westport the other day where in Connecticut, they will put brand new LED lighting in your place at 0% cost to you. Not a dollar will come out of your pocket. And there are still people to this day that will turn that opportunity down because they say it's too good to be true. Does that blow your mind? (laughs) So sometimes you got to pack your stuff up and move on because there's plenty of other people out there that would love to do business with you. I'm imagining you like slinging your knapsack of light bulbs that are like clinging around. Now you're (laughs) far-fetched because I don't go walk around like Santa Claus with a knapsack of light bulbs. (laughs) Do your wives or friends or family ever think it's strange or make remarks about... Why do you have so many light bulbs in your office or in the back of the car? All the time. What people do say is as we're in there counting light bulbs and somebody sees somebody walking around an office staring at the ceiling, it's a very odd sight. So a lot of people will be a little startled for a second and they go, what are you doing? That happened to me yesterday. Happens every day. (laughs) With that that voice of disgust. What What are you doing? doing? And then we say, well, we're counting all of your light bulbs. And they go, (laughs) have fun as you roll out. Meanwhile, we're laughing because we, we built a successful business. And, and ultimately, in the end, this technology helps so many people. Yes, it helps us because we're growing a business and we're creating jobs and bringing new people on. But this helps everybody that installs LED lighting can reduce so much power. But let's talk about another impact that this has. We are one of the, the leaders in the nation in converting public schooling to LED lighting. With budgets that are being reduced annually, uh, schools trying to figure out where they can allocate funds, uh, and in many cases having a tough time doing it, to reduce power on a building, on a structure, on a school structure, or in an entire school system, you're talking about millions of dollars in savings. I don't even have a school and I want new lighting for it now. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, make sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, leave us a review. You can also email me at rally at ctpost.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with rally underscore podcast. Special shout outs to my colleagues, Stephanie Kim, Umberto Rocha, Alex Soul, Pat Tomlinson, and Sophie Vaughn, who you heard on today's episode. I'm Michaela Bennett. Thanks for listening.